This morning we're looking at John chapter 20, verses 1 through to 10. Jesus is risen. In recent weeks we have been considering the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ at the hands of the Jewish council, religious council, the Sanhedrin, and also at the hands of the Roman soldiers. We've also had a glimpse at his death on a wooden cross where he paid the price for sin. Without a doubt, the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ is of the utmost importance, for it was at the cross that the sacrificial lamb of God laid down his life when he was wounded for the transgressions of all who belonged to him and he was bruised for their iniquities. That said... There would be no Christianity and no Christian church if Jesus had not risen from the dead. As the Apostle Paul said, And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most miserable. However, the fact of the matter is that there is overwhelming evidence in the Bible, including today's passage, that testifies that Jesus is risen and as has already been seen in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, verse 24, a verse that I keep coming back to, a verse that I love so much, there's that that assurance that when the Christian dies, he will go to be with Jesus where he is in heavenly glory, not in the grave, but in heavenly glory, and behold the glory of his Lord and Saviour. We do have a risen Saviour who is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, where he ever liveth to make intercession for those he redeemed with his own precious blood. Far from being the most miserable of men, Christians are by far the most privileged of people because each one of them has been blessed with not just some, but with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And each one of them has greater treasures stored up in heaven. Each Christian has greater treasures stored up in heaven than all of the riches of this world combined. Is that an exaggeration on my part? Certainly not. And if you're a Christian, you'll know exactly what I mean. To have treasures in heaven is worth more than anything in this world. And the greatest treasure of all is the risen Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. He most certainly is that jewel in the crown. The Lord Jesus Christ who rose victorious, having sacrificially laid down his life, for those he came to save. Coming to our passage now, we can see that it is written in John chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, 
The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre or the tomb and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre and we know not where they have laid him. According to Mark chapter 15 and verse 42, Jesus was crucified on the preparation day, which is the day before the Sabbath day. In other words, Jesus was crucified on a Friday. Here in John chapter 20 and verse verse 1, it is written that Mary came to the tomb on the first day of the week, which would have been the following Sunday, and she saw that the stone had been moved away and that the Lord's body was not in the tomb. That time frame agrees with what Jesus had, pre- had predicted, rather. He'd predicted on numerous occasions. For example, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21, it is written, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Friday was the first day, Saturday was the second day and that Sunday was the third day. And it agrees with what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. This was the Apostle Paul speaking maybe 30 years after the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and he was saying that this all happened according to the scriptures. When Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, it can be seen in Matthew, Mark and Luke that she was not alone. She was with other women and even in our passage, there's a clue to it in verse 2. It can be seen that she was in the company of others by virtue of her saying in verse 2, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre and we know not where they have laid him. We know not where they have laid him. She was with some other women and their names are actually given in the other gospel accounts. She said those words having found Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved after running from the tomb. The disciple whom Jesus loved can be uh, seen to be the writer of this book, of John's Gospel. The, 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 The disciple whom Jesus loved was the Apostle John. The reason that Mary Magdalene and the other woman, the other women had gone to the tomb in the first place was what? It was to anoint the body of Jesus with spices and ointments. That information is given in Luke's Gospel. Now why would they want to do that? It's very obvious, isn't it? They thought that Jesus was still dead. 
They had no expectation. There was no expectation from any of those women or from anyone else for that matter that Jesus really would rise from the dead. Even though that he said he would. Even though it was clearly predicted in the scriptures. No one actually believed it. As far as Mary Magdalene was concerned, they, that is the Jews, had taken the Lord away. They snatched away his body. Interestingly, Mary Magdalene still referred to Jesus as the Lord. You see that in verse 2. They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre and we know not where they have laid him. She called him the Lord even though she thought he was dead. That must surely give us some idea of the great love and the reverence that Mary Magdalene still had for the one who had cast out seven demons from her. She had much to be thankful to Jesus for and to love him for, even though she believed that he was dead. Let's have a look at verses 3 through to 10. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulchre and see if the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, the apostle John that is, which came first to the sepulchre and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. As a result of what the apostles John and Peter heard from Mary Magdalene, they ran to the tomb to see for themselves. John won the race, if you like, to get to the tomb first. But the one to actually go into the tomb first out of the two of them was Peter. John got there first, but Peter, uh, you can almost picture him charging past John, maybe a few seconds later, I don't know, and charging into the tomb. And one might expect that. John was much more cautious than Peter. And as for Peter, it's not for nothing that he's known as impetuous Peter. Another example of Peter's impetuosity can be seen in the very next chapter. Let's have a look at the impetuosity of Peter in chapter 21, verses 4 and 7. This one's always, uh, I've found mildly amusing, to be quite honest with you, uh, as I picture Peter in all of this. Look at chapter 21, verses 4 to 7. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. 
And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat about unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. So Peter, he throws himself into the sea at this point, when, he, when, he, when he's told by John that it's the Lord on the seashore. But anyway, so we see that impetuosity of the Apostle Peter there. Coming back to our passage, Peter saw the linen burial strips that had been wrapped around the body of Jesus and he also lying se- he saw lying separately the cloth that had covered the Lord's head. He would no doubt have thought all of those things to be very odd indeed. Consequently, as it is written in Luke chapter 24 and verse 12, Peter departed wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Peter, rather confused, couldn't quite figure out what was going on. However, things were somewhat different with John. When he went into the tomb after Peter had entered, he saw, and according to verse 8, he believed. At last, someone's believing I think he's the first one, John's the first one out of all of them to actually believe. John probably believed that Jesus had risen, having concluded that had people taken the body of Jesus away, they would not have bothered unwinding and removing the linen strips first. Why would you bother? If the Jews had stolen away the body of Jesus, they wouldn't have mucked around, uh, wasted time unwrapping the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, all those strips of linen. Nor would anyone else for that matter. So John saw that and he believed. As such, in the very next verse, in verse 9, it is written, For as yet... They knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So, John, he believed, great, I guess. But it wasn't because of the scriptures. It was because of what he saw there. The the strips of linen and then separately the napkin, napkin that had been over the Lord's head. Nothing to do with the scriptures there. But at least he believed it was something. John's belief or his faith was nothing more than a seeing is believing type of faith. The scriptures concerning the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ still not, still had not sunk in. Old Testament prophecies such as Psalm chapter 16, Psalm 16 rather verse 10 in which it is written, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Interesting one that I've quoted there, Psalm 16 verse 10. 
That didn't come to mind with um, John. Certainly didn't come to mind with Peter, who just went away wondering in himself what had come to pass. But it was only seven weeks later, on the day of Pentecost, when by the grace of God, when the Holy Spirit descended, that the Apostle Peter preached a powerful sermon in which he quoted Psalm 16 verse 10, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thy suffer thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. And he said very clearly to the Jews that had assembled in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, that that was Jesus, that that um, word of prophecy was concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. That God did not leave his soul in hell, neither did he suffer his Holy One to see corruption. The penny had dropped, uh, certainly dropped by seven weeks later, before that in fact, because um, he saw the risen Saviour. We'll come to that maybe in a couple of weeks time. But the penny had not dropped at this point in what we're considering today at all. Not with Peter not with John, the one who believed. He simply believed because of the things that he saw in the empty grave. There's other prophecies, other scriptures as well. I'm not just picking some isolated scripture here. Still in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11 and 12, where it is written, He shall see the labour of his soul and be satisfied. This is concerning Jesus. 700 years before Jesus came into the world, this was written. It goes on to say, By his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. He did that at the cross. He bare their iniquities, your iniquities, if you're a Christian. He He bore them in his body at the cross. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So in that passage there, therefore I will divide him a portion with the great That's speaking of a risen saviour there. And then we come to the New Testament in Luke chapter 18 verse 31 through to 33. It is written, then he, that's Jesus, took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. Jesus spoke so plainly, didn't he? On the third day he shall rise again. It couldn't be any clearer, could it? But in the very next verse, Luke chapter 18 and verse 34, it is written, but they understood none of these things. Jesus was speaking to the twelve and they understood none of these things. 
This saying was hidden from them and they did not know the things which were spoken. They heard, they were with Jesus, but they didn't understand. That was the case with John and the other apostles, not forgetting Mary and the other women when you consider the dullness and the slowness of their hearts to believe what the scriptures said including what Jesus had himself said directly to them about his resurrection from the dead. Clearly, the prophecies about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and also what Jesus said on the subject were still hidden from them. And when John was at the empty tomb with Peter and he believed, it was only because he saw the discarded strips of cloth and the napkin in the tomb. Not much of a faith, is it? If we're being honest. Not then, at any rate. If you look at the other Bible passages on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll see that not just John, but all the other apostles as well, would not even believe the women when they told them that angels had appeared to them at the tomb and declared to them that Jesus is risen. Look at Luke chapter 24. Keep your finger in John 20. Luke chapter 24. They were so slow to believe these people. I'm going to read verses 4 to 11. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, this is the women, including Mary Magdalene, Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulchre and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. And now look at verse 11. And their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not. When you think about these events and the need of the disciples to see in order to believe, if you are someone who having done no more than read the scriptures or you've heard the proclamation of the scriptures concerning the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it's for me or someone else, you've heard it, you've read it for yourself and you believe You believe the scriptures. You believe that the incarnate Son of God atoned for your sins at the cross and you believe that he rose triumphant from the grave on the third day. Do you realise that you are blessed beyond all measure after what we've been seeing here in this passage? How blessed you are. 
that you believe, even though you have not seen. As Jesus said to the Apostle Thomas, because you have seen me, now this is when Thomas wouldn't believe until he stuck his fingers in the, um, where the, the, the nails had gone through the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ and into the side of Jesus that had been pierced with a spear. He just wouldn't believe, would he? But it, it was no different to the rest of them. We needn't single Thomas out. It was this believing, uh, seeing is believing thing. And as Jesus said to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And as we finish now, dear Christian, that is you. You are blessed even though you have not seen. Truly blessed. As I said earlier, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, your risen Saviour, and to him be the glory that you believe. This world is full of people who do not believe. They couldn't care less. And when you tell them these things, you, you speak the scriptures. Maybe someone in here now, uh, I've, I don't know how many scriptures I've gone through. Two Old Testament scriptures concerning the resurrection of Jesus. One in Luke's gospel and still people look blank. They do not believe. And then apparently I, I was looking yesterday and I, I sought confirmation from someone in the Church of England. Um, apparently a third of the Church of England clergy do not even believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ or they doubt it. A third. And then you've got other religious people, those who belong to the Watchtower and Track Society. We're talking about in excess of five million people. They, they dismiss it completely, the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet if you believe, then you are blessed. And praise God for that. And as we finish now, we, we're going to be singing that lovely hymn where the hymn writer said, Thine be the glory, risen, conquering son, endless is the victory, thou or death has won. Amen.